Morning, everyone. Welcome to Orangecrest Community Church. My name is Pastor Josh De La Rosa. Last week, we began this series of messages called Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and we looked at the story from the Bible of the Good Samaritan. Uh, that's a story that it really talks about bridging the gap that prevent us from really loving people. And Jesus, in that story, helps us zero in on uh, who, our, who is our actual neighbor. And what we find out from that story is it's the people that you cross in your in your path. Uh, I would even say that we should really pay attention to the uh, literal aspect of our neighbors, the people that actually live closest to us. And so, you know, for the most part, you can't choose your neighbors. And so what a great exercise in loving the people around you, people that uh, you look around, you go outside, and you see your neighbors, your, your literal neighbors. There's people on your block, people in your apartment. Uh, complex people that are just nearby and so we're going to look at how to actually love people in this way last Sunday we ended up with uh, a next step that was pretty practical it was really a challenge to write down the and to pray for the people who live closest to you write down your actual your eight closest neighbors and begin to learn their names and begin to pray for them and so if you didn't take that step there's still time you can still do that and so I want to encourage you uh, to let's focus in this morning and sort of take this one step further. I want to talk about this morning uh, in, in the very next passage from Luke chapter 10, how to eliminate the time barrier that really keeps us from building relationships with those who live near us. I have two main insights this morning on how to do that. The first one is this, the greatest obstacle to loving our neighbor is time. So to begin with, let's really remind ourselves of why this really even matters. What's the great commandment? It's one of the most uh, powerful teachings that Jesus ever taught. Uh, we're looking at it from Luke chapter 10, and but you can also look at it, you can find it in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40, but let's look at Luke 10, verses 27 and 28. It reads this, And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So Jesus said that eternal life and that all the truth of God found in the writings of the Old Testament prophets you know, and God's spiritual laws hang in the balance of being obedient to the great commandment here of loving God with everything and loving our neighbor as ourself. And you might have been thinking through last week's message or even this morning, do I really want to put myself out there to build relationships with my actual neighbors? Do I really want to take the risk? Or maybe you're thinking, how in the world am I going to have the time to get to know my neighbors? I'm busy enough. Now, I get it. I have a lot of people in my life. And time may be our most precious commodity. You can make more money. You can, you know, work another job. You can you can invest your resources, but you can't make more time. We're all given the same number of minutes, the same number of hours each and every day. So I want to look at Jesus' own example and really his own personal priority of time with people. When you look at Jesus' own example and his own uh, schedule or the way that he uses time, we, we learn all sorts of things. Now, you've got to keep in mind, this is God in the flesh. The God of the universe who took on flesh, he could have just 
built a temple for himself, sat on the throne, and just had the masses approach him only. But instead, what we see is with Jesus, many, many personal and even small group interactions. Here's one of them, Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. This is just after the passage of the Good Samaritan that we looked at last week. Take a look. It says, Now as they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now this may seem strange to you. This woman invites Jesus and his disciples in. This rarely happens anymore, but uh, this this actually uh, was an indicator that Martha knew about Jesus' ministry because the news had been spreading about who he was. Uh, you know, you, you don't often just invite strangers in like this. You, you want to get to know people gradually, and, and then more trust is built. Uh, for example, like on our block, we've been living there for 12 years, and uh, we, through this COVID-19 time, we, we baked some bread and brought some bread to some of our neighbors. And it was fun. At one point, just a few weeks ago, uh, we knocked on a door, brought a loaf of bread, some sourdough bread to some neighbors. And they actually, it was around 8 o'clock at night, they actually said, do you guys want to come in? And they said, we'll brew up some coffee and just visit. And we accepted the offer. And so we went into their house, and, you know, it was about 8, and we didn't leave there until about 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they had the news on, so we were sort of watching the news, drinking coffee, and just interacting with them. And it, it really wasn't part of the plan. We didn't go over there expecting that. It was pretty impromptu, but we just sort of rolled with it. Now, pre-COVID, we we had very little unscheduled, unplanned time. Maybe you can identify with me. I know some of you probably can. Maybe maybe your your day isn't over until like 10.30 at night, 11 at night, and I think this, for us, and for probably many people right now, may be one of the positive resets that people will hopefully walk away with from this time. More margin in our schedule. Back to the text, verse 39. So Martha invites Jesus and the disciples in, and it says that she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Mary, this sister, is just laser focus. She's sitting as close as possible to Jesus. She doesn't want to miss a single word from Jesus. And it says that she just sort of sat there and she just listened. Now these are really important words in neighboring, sitting and listening, especially the word listen. She she gives, Mary gives Jesus her full attention while he's teaching because he's 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 actually expounding on something. Much like when he was teaching the crowds on a mountainside, He's teaching parables. He's you know, sharing stories about the kingdom of God. He's talking about people's character and their conduct. He's talking about the heart. And so as he's teaching, she just has this front row seat. And she basically closed the distance between herself and Jesus. She leaned in really close at his feet. There was really nothing getting in the way. Now, I think that's really important here. Whenever, whenever I chose a seat in class when I was growing up and I was in school. I, I didn't want to sit in the front. I didn't want to get called on. Uh, so I would usually just sort of sit near the back. The problem was that there was so many things to focus on, so many things to see and to think about, and because there was a lot of distance between my seat and the teacher. And all of those distractions, the people, the people walking by outside of class, people walking by the door, the windows, 
uh, my classmates. There was so many distractions, and in a way, it would sort of drown out the instruction of my teacher. And so what you see Mary doing is she's, she is closing the distance, and she's focusing on his every word. I want to encourage you, and really all of us, to try this sometime. Try to close the distance to see how, and you know, maybe to watch to see the improvement of your personal focus. Uh, verse 40, let's take a look. It says, But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, Martha is so distracted that she misses out on really what's most important. Uh, This word distracted here, it basically literally means to be dragged away. So her focus, her attention is dragged away. Martha was so focused on preparing food and maybe making arrangements for this group who was visiting her house. And honestly, somebody had to do it. There's nothing wrong here with Martha's hospitality. In fact, the Bible uh, commands people to be hospitable to strangers. Uh, And so on the one hand, uh, this should be commended, but the issue here was priority. She, She basically was so locked onto her task that she was dragged away from Jesus and from focusing on her guests. So she was busy and she was distracted. Sometimes when people are with us, you know, we can get this way. We can get really focused on the tasks at hand. Meanwhile, everyone else in the room is relating and enjoying their company and enjoying one another, and we're off doing a task. Uh, we can pack our schedules so full that you know, we, we just don't have time to visit with a neighbor or to even invite anyone in. There's just There's other things that we would say are pressing in on us. Or maybe we're just not ever at home. Whatever the dilemma is, there's usually, the issue is not usually a shortage of time. Uh, It's more a problem of priority. The urgent crowds out the important. We invest in minor things and we miss the main thing. You know, the priorities. God and people. Those are the priorities. When our priorities are determined by the urgent, then our lives won't match up with our intentions. But Jesus, he's this perfect example. He got a lot done with his life, but he didn't ever seem to be in a hurry. When you read about Jesus' life, he would prioritize loving God, time with his Father, and then loving people. And he often blended the two. Like Mark one thirty-five speaks of Jesus rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. It says that he departed, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Right before this, you know, had been a night of ministry. Right after this, there's people wanting to see Jesus. And he made time for his father, and then he spent time with people. In Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 18, it reads, Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. So here we see Jesus actually blending. It's saying alone, not completely alone. What this is indicating or describing is the fact that Jesus is not with the crowds. He's withdrawn from the crowds. And he has his disciples with him. He's blending time with prayer 
and time with people even. Luke 9.28 reads this, Now about eight days after these things, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. Well, and you've got all the, a handful of other examples as well where Jesus is blending people and you know his time loving people and his time loving God. But Jesus lived life in a specific rhythm. He He just regularly slowed down in order to live at a healthier pace, well, at a healthy pace. He, he would recenter himself on living life with God's kingdom as his priority. He would do that by withdrawing to spend time with the Father. But then you would see him uh, quickly come back and begin relate to, relating to people. Uh, Jesus, because of his popularity and because of his uh, teachings and, and really uh, his uh, the following he began to gain, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people would follow him and would be crowding around him, uh, but also small groups of people, intimate groups of even just two or three people at times. But very often he would pull away so it would just be time with him and his heavenly father. And that was uh, refueling him spiritually. Now, I think this is an important aspect of loving people. The pattern you see of Jesus withdrawing to be with his father was what fueled him to have the energy and the focus to be able to relate closely to people. So a good question for us is, do, do we live at a pace that allows us to be in a rhythm of spiritual refueling as well as being available to those who live around us, our actual neighbors? Do, do we allow for margin in life? so that people can actually interrupt us to where when there's a knock at the door, we actually have some time. Now, Jesus, he had time for interruptions. And so a good question is, do we? And if not, if we don't, then what would it take to change the pace of our lives so that we could be more available to people around us? Now, here's the second major insight is that love and hurry are not compatible. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10 again on that occasion where Jesus visits with Mary and Martha. Verse 39, let's look at it again. It reads, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching, but Martha was distracted. So Martha, who's described as being distracted, she starts trying to direct Jesus here. And as we read earlier, she starts telling Jesus, Don't you care? Don't you care that Mary's making me do all the work and she's just sitting there listening to you? Here's what Jesus says to her in verse 42. He tells Martha this, But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So Mary's lack of hurry allowed her to choose what Jesus considered the better thing. He actually calls it the good portion. Now, is preparing a meal important? Sure it is. It's really important. But this is a story about highest priorities. Again, this has just come off after the the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus is talking about loving God and loving people, the greatest commandment. Then he uses this example, Luke uses this example to again illustrate these priorities of how important it is to love God and to love our neighbor. And if this is such a priority, then we've got to figure out how do we do more to be flexible when it comes to our wants, our desires, our personal experiences, our preferences even. Now last year I, w- I was able to see 
um, some amazing, amazing works of art. Saw some sculptures. Saw Michelangelo's sculptures. And there were these four unfinished sculptures called the Prisoners. And here's one of them. This is of Matthew, uh, the disciple. And you can see Matthew, and it looks like he's holding a scroll uh, because he's, he's one of the, uh, the authors of, uh, the, of the book Matthew. So one of the biographies of Jesus is the Gospel according to Matthew. Uh, but you can see this unfinished piece of piece of art. You can see the sculpture. You can see sort of Matthew emerging out of this marble. And here's what Michelangelo uh, had to say, because this these works of art actually in some ways embodied his thinking and his philosophy about sculpting. The quote here says, The sculpture is already complete within the marble block. Before I start my work, it is already there. I just have to chisel away the superfluous material. You could call that the art of elimination. He's chiseling away what needs to be eliminated. The, the, the sculpture, the statue is already inside that, that hunk of marble. We need to do something similar. We need to, to begin to see what, what the ideal is. What, what is the great commandment? We need to let that dominate our mind and our thinking and then do more to eliminate uh, things that are distracting us. Because we have so many choices. There's so much going on that we need to learn to sort of chip away at the activities that keep us from giving time to the greatest priorities. Author John Ortberg, he, he wrote this. He said, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. He actually coined the phrase, hurry sickness. I don't know if you... If you struggle with hurry sickness, I know I, I struggle with it at points. He says the reason hurrying is, is so dangerous is because love and hurry are not compatible. Love always takes time. And time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. I want to show you a video about how a few of our OCC households are aiming to love their neighbors right now. Let's take a look. Um, I think when we first moved in, we had a little bit of a category for what it looked like to reach out to neighbors and think had a desire for evangelism. And we saw some leaders in our life really set the pace for what that looks like. I remember people sharing stories of what it looks like for them to include their neighbors in their lives. And that was kind of a new concept for us. Um, so we really saw people do that and, and see the fruit and benefit of that. That was really motivating other people to be able to us in that. Um, and I think more specifically, too, in this season of um, COVID-19, something that this has been a really motivating season to begin to do that more. Um, our social circles shrunk very quickly <laughs> um, once the stay-at-home order hit and our schedules cleared really quickly. So I think some of the busyness that I might have hid behind or the excuses that I had not to suddenly disappeared. Um, and we realized, man, there's really an opportunity in front of us to connect with those that God has chosen to place around us. Even um, if they're in different life stages than us, I think that's something that might have held us back in the beginning of we're in a very different life stage than most people who live around us. Um, but this, this season of, of the pandemic and, and being at home a lot 
um, has, has been motivating to see God as put opportunities in front of us to love and serve those around us. A big motivator for me as far as reaching out to neighbors was training. At CBU, I was an RA, so we had training for a month on how to reach out to the people that were going to live around us. And then that entire year, we had some hands-on experience. Um, and then at OCC, my kind of first years out of college, I did D group where there was an emphasis on evangelism and then more strategies around reaching out to neighbors. And those three years together really motivated me and um, equipped me to where I felt like I wasn't as shy as I normally am and I was able to just start talking to the people around me. What motivates me to reach out to our neighbors is that I've been on the receiving end of people really caring and reaching out and I know that's a way God really shows his love to me and so that really just gives me a heart for people and it just makes sense to me to start with the people that are close to me that I see every day um, which are my neighbors on my street so that's what really motivates me. Um, some strategies that I've used um, that have worked well for me. Um, I try to never let my neighbors walk by without saying hi, meaning kind of when I when I first moved to this street, I made it a point to say hi early on. I felt like if I let a year go by before I ever said hi to a neighbor, it would just create some unnecessary tension, and it'd be kind of weird that I took a year to say hello. So. Um, that's just, that's kind of a simple strategy I've used, and then just small investments um, have helped as well. Not trying to have a super long conversation right away because they might not want to talk that long, so you don't want to um, scare them off. So just the small bits at a time. Yeah, and what I do to connect with our neighbors is I just play with the kids outside a lot. Um, so we're just available. People see us every day, and same thing. We just we say hi. Um, we wave. All the kids know the neighbors' names. Um, so yeah, just being available, being outside, and I've even given my phone number to some of our neighbors, um, just if they ever needed anything. Um, and they've actually taken me up on it, a few of them, and have reached out. Um, so yeah, just being available and being outside a lot. Some of the things that we have done to connect and reach out to our neighbors, especially during the season of COVID-19 and quarantine, um, have been to blend things that we are already doing in our lives, um, to blend dinner times or even just exercising, going on walks with connecting with neighbors. So one of the things that we've really enjoyed doing in this season more is taking a picnic blanket and putting it outside in the front yard and eating dinner out there and allowing ourselves to just be available to connect. And we see kids riding on their bikes, we see people walking their dogs, we would just see a lot more people and have a lot more opportunities to connect when we put ourselves out there a little bit more. And we've also looked to see how we can meet tangible needs for neighbors. Uh, we've talked with them and listened to them, and, and we've also seen if they have any needs that we can meet. So if we're running to the grocery store, we'll just say, hey, what can we get you from the grocery store? Do you guys need anything? Um, do you have everything that you need? And if they need something, we're happy to you know, pick it up for them, um, just seeing where we can meet needs if possible. One of the ways we've seen God work is that he's already working in people's lives around us and we just get to join him. And so he's provided so many opportunities um, to connect with neighbors on a daily basis and even serve them through some hardships. And 
um, it's exciting to be able to just share what God has done in our lives with other people. And there's a sweetness of relating that we have at OCC and with one another. And what a privilege it is to extend that care and that kindness and that service to other people um, and build genuine relationships. Um, when we were living in apartments, there was a new couple to our church that lived near us, and it was natural for us to get to know them and help them um, kind of navigate um, how to get into OCC and kind of get connected, and uh, they ended up becoming members. And then another way is just quite simply where we're living now. Our neighbors know us, and they help us a lot. Um, my car broke down right in front of my neighbor's house, and I parked it, and he helped me lift it up on a jack and fix it up the other day so that was really helpful yeah god has really blessed us surprisingly with just so many friendships um just by getting to know our neighbors and one friendship recently has been really sweet has been a a kid that my daughter has become friends with um and you know during the pandemic i was pretty I was pretty sad, and so was my daughter, because she wasn't able to see her friends at school anymore, and, you know, we weren't able to gather at church anymore, so um, that was a really huge blessing that um, happened, and it was all just because we made ourselves available. I love what O'Neill mentioned there about not waiting a year to say hello and, and introducing ourselves to our, to our neighbors, especially like a new neighbor that moves onto your block or into your apartment complex, you know, using that first few months is really uh, key, I think, in breaking the ice. And I have to admit, I, I don't always do that right when it comes to neighboring. Sometimes I do take too long and then just get sort of awkward. Uh, but hey, wherever you're at, let's just aim to take some further steps as a congregation. So here's what I want to encourage you to do today. The first, again, is if you haven't yet, create sort of a neighborhood diagram or a neighborhood map right in the eight closest neighbors to you, and then pray for them this week. It's, it's really hard to love our neighbors if we don't know their names. That's the first thing. Get to know their names and begin praying. Second is this. Would you be willing to spend at least a total of just one hour a week out in your front yard or in some common area where your neighbors can interact with you, where you can be more accessible? In fact, maybe take a walk more regularly down your block or in your neighborhood. Bust down the time barrier. Actually, if you need to, if you're a scheduled person, I'm a scheduled person, maybe schedule in, take a walk today or take a, take a walk once a week or twice a week and do that purposefully to, to get to know neighbors and to talk. If you're looking for a handful of ways right now in light of COVID-19, here's a handful of neighboring ideas. And we'll just list these out on the screen. You might uh, test out some of these in your area. First, like we mentioned last week, maybe a gift for graduates. Graduates are easy to identify right now because you've got yard signs in their yard. So gifts for graduates. Second, maybe a plant. Bring a plant to someone. Just let them know you're thinking of them. Uh, or maybe a family gift pack. If there's a family nearby you, you can maybe get a Cold Stone gift card uh, with you know 10 or $15 loaded onto it. And then maybe bring a board game for that family. Just just drop it by and just say, hey, I know you've got a lot of extra time and we just thought of you guys, thought this might be helpful right now. Or here's another one, socially distant backyard gatherings. It seems like uh, some of the mandates are beginning to loosen up and so it seems that friends and family uh, now in, in small groups are allowed 
to gather. If you read the fine print on the state's website, uh, they still want people to distance. Uh, but, you know, maybe have a, have a backyard barbecue or, or front yard fire pits. I've heard some folks in our church that are doing this and they're using their front yard and they've got a fire pit out at night and then their neighbors are coming out and interacting with each other. Or maybe park in the driveway occasionally. Maybe if you're a person that parks in the garage, it's pretty difficult to see your neighbors. So how about once a week or twice a week you park in the driveway in order to be, again, more accessible. Or work out in the front yard or sit in the front yard. Set up some chairs in the front. Greet people who are walking by. Or if you've had conversations, try this. Follow up on previous conversations. Check in on what people are, have, have shared with you about their lives or maybe their family life. And then also ask questions to, to learn more. And then I think a real uh, important point from Luke 10 is to sit and listen. Uh, the focus that Mary gave when she closed the distance between her and Jesus by just, by just being focused. Now, I'm not saying get awkward and get in someone's face awkwardly, but what I'm saying is removing the distractions. Think about what she did. What can we do to remove the distractions? And let's pray right now together and see what happens as we aim together to love our neighbors as a priority. Let's pray. Father, we know that loving our neighbors is is extremely important. Jesus told us it was, but right now in our culture, with all of the challenge and the tension and the dividing uh, that has that exists or the division that exists, Lord, we know how important it is to love our neighbors. And so, Father, you've placed us specifically in places, on streets, in blocks, in apartment complexes, in townhome communities, and you've, you've surrounded us with people that you love. So, Father, I pray that you'd grant us the wisdom and the courage and uh, the focus to eliminate and chip away and chisel back the barriers and the time constraints and the, uh, the minor things, the lesser priorities that might prevent us from loving the people you've put on our path. And so we need your help. So we ask you for breakthroughs. We pray that you would use it, God, to point people to you ultimately. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.